0: You are listening to Let Me Overthink About It, where I dive into a series of topics that occupy my anxious mind. I'm Sam Mador, overthinker extraordinaire. This one's just me, myself, and I, folks. Thinking on my own. It's my first solo episode of season three. It's funny, and this is a good problem to have, but it's funny because I, uh, the first two seasons, I was a little bit, you know, disorganized when it came to arranging for guests to be on my podcast episodes. And so I'd be sort of scrambling sometimes to, you know, get somebody recorded prior to, you know, posting it and going live. And this year I've been very organized and I've had a lot of uh, episodes recorded in advance and at least kind of mapped out of who's going where. And so I had sort of forgotten about my commitment to um, challenging myself to do episodes on my own as well. Because I definitely, when I was first thinking of doing a podcast, that was part of it for me was that I wanted to make sure that I was allowing time and space for myself too. So this is me, on my own, overthinking, getting real, and, you know, trying to have as organic a conversation as I can have with myself and my my thoughts. So I don't really have a topic to start with other than just in the last couple of weeks uh, on social media, I've been seeing a lot of conversation or memes or posts on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram about how challenging it can be to make friends when you get older. And so I thought, you know, because it's sort of creeping up here and there, I uh, I thought it would be a good topic to start with uh, this week. And So my favorite meme, my favorite post that I've seen recently is, it involves uh, Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote. And of course, sadly, Angela Lansbury has recently passed away. Um, But it's the meme where it's like, you know, it's so hard to find friends because everybody else who I'd want to be friends with is staying at home watching Murder, She Wrote. And (laughs) I absolutely 100% relate to that meme because Vision TV weekdays, you can find me watching Murder, She Wrote at 8 PM. Um, it's just like, it's that nostalgic, like, oh man, it just makes me laugh. Um, so yeah, seeing, that meme and seeing, and I think Mel Robbins recently put out a podcast episode about this kind of similar topic or at least a video on Instagram or something anyway. So it's been cropping up. So I thought it would be a good place to start because I I totally agree. And I think, you know, it started for me um, when... I realized I wasn't going to have kids. Like, it was sort of like, you know, when all of your kids, or all of your kids, all of your friends, sorry, start having kids and you're just like, you know, uh, that brings people together. That allows people opportunity to meet one another, to meet like-minded people who, you know, you just see at daycares and at the park, at the playground, and you can connect with one another on that very natural organic level because you have kids. And so I immediately struggled with that when, you know, I wasn't a mom and I didn't have that uh, that network um, to pull from. And also I think my anxiety and depression hasn't really helped with that either, obviously, right? I mean, I think It's hard enough, you know, as people are posting about this, it's hard enough to make friends with you when you become an adult, make new friends when you become an adult. And then if you add on anxiety on top of that, or you add on uh, depression or, you know, social anxiety or whatever that is, then obviously that just makes it even more challenging. And uh, yeah, so I think I certainly... With the overthinking side of it, or the anxious side of it, I think I just find myself in a place where it's like, how do I break in? You know, how do I turn um, acquaintances or people that I have work relationships with, or I sit on a committee with, or I, you know, I volunteer with. Or I know them, quote unquote, through social media. How do I turn that relationship into a let's meet for coffee or let's go for a beer after work or whatever, in-person real friendship as opposed to just that sort of acquaintanceship. Um And that's really hard. And I think, I mean, COVID hasn't helped with that. The pandemic definitely has not helped with that because we've been cooped up for the last, you know, two and a half years on and off. And we're just kind of awkwardly easing our way back into quote unquote normalcy. Um, And so I think all of those things together in my life, anyway, all of those things together, not having kids, not having, uh, you know the kahunas is that the right way to say it, not having the balls, I guess, to, you know, break through those conversations with acquaintances or people that I think I would like to to spend more time with. Um and then also just having anxiety in general. I think all of those things together are kind of um, working against me. And the fact that really I do enjoy staying home and watching. Murder, she wrote. Um, (laughs) But the other, I guess the flip side to it too is coming to terms with the fact that I don't need or shouldn't feel like I need a large group of friends. I feel like I have always put pressure on myself for that. And I think society has always put pressure on us for that in school, uh, you know, to have a large group of friends, to be part of the cool kids, whatever that is, whatever that means. Um, And then so we kind of carry that through with us into adulthood. It's like, you know, I look and I'm envious of people who have maintained friendships with high school friends, large groups of high school friends, and they're all still friends. And they, again, most of them have kids and they all get together and their kids are friends. And, you know, you see those kind of kinds of conversations happening or, or parties happening and you just wonder, okay, well that's not me. I feel envious of that, but then I also think to myself, well that's also not necessarily what I want either. But that's where the overthinking comes in because you know, if I do get invited to things or if I do um have the opportunity to socialize, I will oftentimes talk myself out of it as well. So it's like Instead of just going with the flow, committing to having fun or committing to letting the experience happen as however it's going to happen, I will get inside my head and talk myself out of doing things before I can even let myself have fun. So there's this vicious cycle of things happening where you know, I'm getting invited to things and I'm saying no. So then am I not getting invited to the next thing because I said no to all of the other things? And then also wanting to say yes, but then convincing myself that it's not going to be how I want it to be, or I'm not going to be comfortable, or nobody's going to want to, you know, talk to me, or I won't have anything to say, or I won't know anyone. All of these kind of random thoughts that pop through my head on this ridiculous overthinking cycle all of that is working against me as well. Whew, that's a lot. And then I think to myself, okay, I'm 41 years old. I'm soon going to be 42. At what point does this never even enter my mind? Um And I say never because I really do notice the older that I'm getting, the less I do this, which I'm happy about. Like, I feel like the frequency with which I would worry about, you know, not having plans on a Friday night or whatever, that's gone down. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, if I spend my weekend in watching... Love is blind, which I'm going to be honest, I have been hooked on. Um, if I do that, I am totally happy with that. Um, the so the frequency of times that I get caught up in in that is is less than it used to be, one hundred percent, or at least I shouldn't say one hundred percent, seventy five percent. But it's still. There on occasion. And I still want to see myself have the guts to ask people to make plans with me, even if I think it's awkward. You know, that's what it is. It's awkward to start shifting a relationship from an acquaintanceship into a friendship. At least I convince myself that it's awkward. And I tell myself that so then I talk myself out of it. So I need to get past that discomfort because... You know, I guess it's easy if you, I think about my husband, so it's easy if you play a sport too, I think, because my husband, Joey, he plays golf, he plays hockey. So all year, he kind of has built-in opportunity to just pick up the phone and say, hey, do you want to go out and golf? Uh, or or he has regularly scheduled hockey games that he plays through the winter. So all year, he's kind of got that sort of built-in Ability to do that. Well, I don't play hockey. <laughs> it would be hilarious if I tried. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't have those things. So I often default to like work things. So I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna plan an event, and then I'll bring people into my event that I'm planning. But then it always just feels like I'm getting together with these people for work reasons, not for social reasons. And I mean, maybe that's okay, but I, sh- what ends up happening is I, I always just think of those people as acquaintances instead of friends. So I need to find a way to just do things for the sake of doing something social, just like having fun. And I know I've talked about this before on my podcast, and I have referenced Glennon Doyle in the past in regards to this. Is just for how in the world do we forget to have fun? Like I, and I think the overthinker part of my overthinking part of my brain is very much the part that keeps me or prevents me from having fun because it cuts me off at the pass. It's like, you know, I'm going into something and then it's like, yeah, but what if, and all of the shoulds and whatevers start taking over. And I don't allow myself to just let things happen as they may and just have fun. I convince myself of too many, um potential roadblocks and so I just end up not having fun not just being spontaneous or making plans last minute or or sticking to plans that I've made for a long time so it becomes quite challenging um when the anxiety creeps in and you know you um you end up feeling a bit lonely because you've, you've, in a way, kind of isolated yourself from having those experiences. And I think there is truth to um, if you say no so many times, people will stop asking. Uh, so that's also also a part of the equation that, that I'm not happy with. But I also, and I have also said this before, um, I do prefer oftentimes one-on-one conversations with folks, you know, meeting up for a coffee, like I said, or, or going for a beer with one or two people and having those more intimate conversations. But even those kinds of things, I feel like I I... Cut myself off from as well, and so I recently went to and of course had a live podcast recording there at the Swell Conference um, in Sydney, Nova Scotia, and it was interesting because, and I think I mentioned this in the in the podcast was that I was seeing people in person for the first time that I have known online and. You sort of think you know them, even though you've never actually met them face to face in person, maybe on Zoom or on Instagram stories or whatever it is, but not in person. And, you know, I think with that too, it's another layer of like just trying to kind of feel our way through what our social environments look like now. Like, how do we carve a space? How do we make those authentic connections when? All we know of somebody is what we think we know of them based on what we see on their social media, which is filtered whether you like it or not, right? I mean, you know, as much as you say and I say, I'm authentic, I'm being real, I'm, you know, all of those things, you know, that selfie that I posted, chances are there's three other selfies just like it that I didn't like and I just deleted those and posted the one I did like. So there's like like a variation of what, what's real for, for people on social media. And so, you know, I think I know that person, but I, I mean, I inevitably really don't until you are able to kind of carve real relationships in person. I mean, I, you know, I shouldn't say I don't, I know them to a degree just as much as they would know me for, from following me. But, I guess it's just a different way of looking at relationships again, you know, how do we how do we uh, figure out what those relationships are like in the real world? And I guess that comes back to love is blind too. I mean, man, they keep referencing the real world and love is blind too and I'm just like, yeah, like you know, if you're forming a relationship and proposing to somebody, man, the first before you even see them in person, you are having like a a real world versus pod world or whatever comparison because that just isn't the real world. That isn't the way that things happen. But then with social media, I feel like that's the way our real world is evolving. It's like uh, that is part of what some of our relationships are. That is How some relationships exist is solely online. Like I can have a conversation or a relationship with somebody across the world that I may never meet in person. I may always just know through social media. And I guess that's just how how the world is evolving. And again, COVID has has made it more commonplace, I guess, just to connect with people virtually. You know, I I find even when I'm doing having meetings with colleagues, or I'm just wanting to kind of hash something out, in the past, pre-COVID, my go-to would be to email first, obviously, always. And then if we were going to set up a meeting that was not an in-person meeting, it would always be over the phone. But now my default is FaceTime, Zoom, Teams, whatever, because I've gotten so used to over the last couple of years talking to people and seeing their faces when I talk and meet with people that I actually uh, uh, rarely set up a phone call with anyone. I'm like, you know, sending messages and saying, hey, if you want to chat about this further, I can send a Zoom link. That's sort of the go-to instead of even making phone calls. So this has been a bit of a rant on that topic, but I think... All of it kind of comes back to um, carving out the way that works best for you to connect with people. And, you know, when I first moved back to Truro years ago, I talked about this lots um, in the past. I really had to sit down and consider how I was going to show up in Truro, how I was going to get past the feeling of like, kind of feeling like I'd stepped backwards a little bit because I moved back home, which is all just ridiculous and all just stuff I created in my head. But I said to myself very purposefully, I said, I need to create the community that I want to live in. And I started to create, I created, I should say, the Women's Social Network. And I was able to connect with like-minded business women, women in the community who... I could organize informal receptions and gatherings and uh, panel conversations and things like that um, because that's what I needed. I was like, well, I need to find a community of people to connect with. Otherwise, you know, I'd always sort of be disappointed or, or relying on those feelings of, of you know inferiority or feeling like I had stepped back or whatever that looks like. And so I created that uh, group. Um, my friend Michelle and I created Local Love Truro so we could celebrate the good things about living in Truro um, to shift our mindset to the positives. And there are many and there continue to be, and that was a great uh, way for me to shift my focus to that to that positive perspective of of being home and being, you know, in an evolving town. And then recently, yeah. So I. It, as I have mentioned before, I took on a position in March with a local United Way, and I, I had stepped back from a lot of my previous contracts. And that was the point, was to sort of have that one thing that I could focus on. And um, But in doing that, I had also stopped my women's social network. And so just recently, I... I said, I have to start doing that again. It doesn't have to be the structured thing that it was before where I put pressure on myself to do monthly meetings or monthly gatherings and book club meetings and all of those things. It doesn't have to be that structured thing that it once was, but I still need some form of that because I'm missing those connections. And since COVID, I've not been consciously making an effort to make those connections, and I'm really suffering for it. Um, So done. It's funny because it's like I knew that that helped. That helped me back when I first moved home and I created it in the first place, but then I forgot how important it was to me. And... So I brought it back. So sometimes you just have to find a way to remind yourself of the things that worked for you before. Like, how silly is that? That it, you know, it was something that I, you know, I should have remembered or should have known would be good for me to do, but I just needed that time to reflect and remind myself of it. So that's happening now again. In a much more informal, less pressured way, so I can manage it and make it not feel like it's something. Oh, it's another chore that I have to do. It's just something that I'm doing because I know that I need that connection, and I know that it's going to make me feel uh, more fulfilled in in my community. And you know, the other side, uh, the other thing I should say that I've done is I joined a choir. And I referenced this already, I think, in in an episode of my podcast, but it took me way, way, way out of my comfort zone to join the choir. But I've noticed, especially during COVID, that I've really missed uh, performing, being on stage, and I theater is my performing. That's what I do. Generally, when I say I'm a performer, but uh, I wasn't feeling theater at the moment. Like I, I wasn't sure how that was going to happen for me. If I decided to do another theater production, I felt like it would be too much on my plate. Like I would feel like okay, I would have to come up with a play. I would have to put a cast together. Like I just felt like it would be something that I would be in the driver's seat of. So since I had a bit of a connection over the last couple of years or previous to COVID, I should say, with Creative Voices here in Truro, I was like, yes, I am going to bite the bullet and join a choir. Even though I am not a singer and I don't know how to read sheet music I am going to join a choir because, you know, I sing in the car all the time and in my shower and in my home. So I auditioned. I almost talked myself out of it multiple times, but I showed up and I auditioned and I got in and it's challenging. It's, uh, it's been very challenging for me, ego-wise. It's been challenging because it's not something that comes naturally to me. Um, so it's it's really uh, really challenged my my self-esteem uh, and even just like the hermit in me getting up at you know getting out of the house I should say at six p.m. on a Sunday night to go to practice is like oh god like. That's my hermit time, especially now that it's coming into like fall, winter kind of season. It's like, oh God, it's going to be dark. and But I'm doing it and I'm committed to this semester at least and um, I'm proud of myself for doing that. And there's that social aspect to it. Honest to God, that was the first thing that drew me to it was being able to do something creative, something that is structured and scheduled so that I will show up and um and social there's you know 30 some I'm not sure how many actually but women in this choir and uh it's it's getting me out of the house and um getting my creative juices flowing and challenging me in different ways so it's great and maybe next year, it'll be something different. Maybe I will pull theater back out and I I will do a performance on stage in a different way. But right now I'm looking forward to a Christmas concert for the first time since I was in elementary school. I'm going to be performing in a Christmas concert in December with my choir. So I'm super stoked about that. And again, proud of myself for for allowing myself to step out of my comfort zone, I rely quite heavily on a couple of members in my in the choir to actually get me to show up each each week but uh, but i 'm doing it so um, I, yeah, another way of again creating that community that you want to live in and I guess all of this to say. Uh, You got to really dig deep to know what it is that you want from friendships. You know, if you see, and it sounds so silly and it sounds a little, you know, junior high school playground or elementary school playground, but, you know, if there's someone you connect with that you feel you would like to get to know. I mean, it's, it's no different than, you know, a romantic relationship as, you know, you feel like you're asking somebody out on a date or whatever, but I think we just have to stop thinking of it in such serious terms. It's just like, hey, do you want to go grab a coffee? Hey, do you want to grab a beer? And I think for me, I just have to stop building it up in my head and stop um, assuming that people, do or don't, wouldn't, couldn't spend time with me, uh, and just ask, just have those conversations. Have a few people over to your house for a couple of drinks. Uh, It's funny to say this, and I know there'll be people listening who are just going to be thinking, that's nothing. Like, it's nothing for me to call up a bunch of friends and ask them to do something or it's like, that's just a regular day in the life. But for some of us folks, it's very challenging because we have already played out how the whole scenario is probably, and I'm putting that in air quotes as well, is probably going to go despite actually having no idea how it's going to go. And that can really keep us from doing simple social things because we feel we already know how it's going to go. And that just isn't true. So I guess I'm challenging myself and anybody who's listening, who's like me, who gets tripped up in their thoughts and and, um, prevents themselves from experiencing something that could be very fun for them, just take a leap ask that person out for a coffee or a beer or invite your friends over to, for a movie night with popcorn and whatever that is, you know? And I know I'm committed through my reinvigorated social network that's much less pressure on myself to make sure I'm connecting with new folks and folks that I have, you know, lost track of for the last couple of years. And Just really putting my energy and effort into people that I want to spend time with. And I'm lucky, oh, so lucky to have this podcast because I've had that opportunity. So again, it feels like work. So that makes it easy for me. It's easy for me to ask people to be on my podcast because it's like, I'm not putting myself out there. It's just, I can think of it in terms of work or in terms of uh, something I have to do. Instead of, you know, asking somebody on a friendship level to do something. But anyway, that's an aside. I am lucky to have this podcast to be able to have great conversations with amazing people that I admire and people that I'm just getting to know and people who I've just met or people who I've just met in real life for the first time after knowing them online for so long. I'm very, very lucky to have this Uh, this podcast and this platform to connect with folks. And so I just need to get comfortable having some in-person connections and putting myself out there in a way that I can allow myself to have fun. At 41, almost 42 years old, I need to relearn how to just have fun. And I, I feel like I said this probably this time last year in a podcast episode, and I, I have not successfully done it, but I want to challenge myself to let down my guard, let down the walls, try my hardest to stop overthinking about what other people might say or think if I ask or propose an idea or a date or an event or whatever. Just get through that, get past that, and just do it so that I can carve out some time to have fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And please, if you relate to this in any way, this episode more than any, I feel like, if you relate to this in any way, please reach out, please comment, please let me know because you know, oftentimes we feel like we, I'm saying we as in those of us who have anxiety, those of us who are trapped in our heads a lot of the times, we feel like we're alone and we feel like our thoughts are the most ridiculous thoughts that any person could have. So it really does help to know that, other people are feeling the same way, that other people might be like, oh yeah, this really resonates with me. And that is going to mean so much to me if, if somebody shares that, that they have similar experiences as they get older. Um, so thank you. I hope you enjoy my inner monologue as much as I enjoy getting it off my chest.